When the guys asked me what my perfect night would be, I told them the truth. Beer and board games. They thought I was kidding. I was not kidding. and gentlemen you know what that sound means it means it's episode 135 of the personal arrogance podcast i am one of your hosts my name is eric walquist joining me this week on his kindle fire kindle HD. fire hd eric yeah what's your it's name me i'm jesse kindle fire hd wilson yeah and uh I'm made out of kindle fires <laughs> you're made out of kindle fires and you know what listener you should have a kindle fire and we'll tell you how to kindle your fire very soon in the show. But before we do that, Jesse, how was your week? I just made the best steak. Yeah. I just cooked the best steak I think I've ever cooked in my life. Dude, you're a good steak cooker. I'm, well, um, I've totally revolutionized my method. Oh. Are you using artificial meat or real meat? Uh, real, I, it's a ribeye. Oh, it's a ribeye. I got a ribeye manager sure. special I at Safeway, thirty percent off. Oh. Thank you. I was I wasn't sure if you had built your artificial meat machine yet. <laughs> oh yeah, my my meat printer. Right. <clears throat> That's still in the prototype phase. Yeah. Um, friend of the show said that it would be impossible to make it out of a keg. I so think- far, he's correct. Okay. <laughs> that's that's friend of the show, John O'Brien. I think that. Uh, you know, John, it's, you, you gotta think big if you're, if you're gonna be a PA listener. And you gotta think big, like the storage capacity on a Kindle Fire HD. Yeah, which is, what, 32 gigs, Eric? I don't know. It's, I, it's so many gigs I already forgot, and, um. But regardless, you made a steak. So yeah, 32 gigs. What, what's your, what's your, uh, what's your new method for cooking steak? Alright, so it's a hybrid. I, I've tried cooking them on the stovetop. And I've tried cooking them, uh, in, in the stove, mm-hmm. in the oven. So I did a hybrid in, method in, today. In the stove? It, I always do that. <laughs> I say something's in the stove and they're like, oh, what are you talking about? It's, it's in the oven. Well, you know, it co- technically is in the stove. To me, the, the whole thing is the stove. The whole thing is the stove, but apparently only the top yeah, is the really, stove. Yeah, really, the whole thing is the oven. Right. All right, regardless. Regardless, um, so I took a pan, mm-hmm. I put the olive oil on the pan, and I let it sit there getting warm until it started smoking, right? Word. Then I took butter, yep. a couple pieces of butter, threw that on there, uh-huh. and then garlic powder. Word. And then my steak I had prepared with like a generous amount of salt and pepper. Yep. I throw that on there, and I cook each side for less than a minute. Uh-huh. And meanwhile, the the oven is preheating to 445. Right. And I, uh, I sear both sides of it, put it in there, cook it till it's medium rare. It came out delicious. Congratulations. Thank you. I was very proud of myself. Good steak does that make? You know, good steak I- does not make good people. Good steak does not make good people. <coughs> you know, one of the problems with the Kindle Fire HD is that it gets hot sometimes. But what <laughs> you can do is you could just put it on a table, put a steak on it, and you co- it cooks your steak for you. Uh huh. 
Yeah. Why, why do you uh, think they? I had a similar thing this morning. My Kindle Fire got so hot it burned my wiener. Right. Why do you think they call it the fire? <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so now it's time to tell you how you can get your hands on a Kindle Fire because we've already told you all of the tenants. Use oven mitts because it is Use, very hot. Do you have to get the oven mitts with the touchscreen enabling uh, <laughs> pads on them, though? Otherwise, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> so you can go to ballmove.com slash contest. All of the uh, rules are there, but the Ball Move Network is giving away a free Kindle Fire. Just go to ballmove.com slash contest. All you got to do is either tweet about uh, one of our podcasts. Uh, you could Facebook about one of our podcasts. You send us the link to that along with your email address and you're entered. Uh, we're going to randomly draw, draw the winner and the winner gets a free Kindle Fire HD sent to their home. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're in Seattle, I might even just come over and knock on your door and give it to you. <laughs> that I like. Now, Eric, mm-hmm. a, a Kindle Fire, that's just any other e-reader, right? I don't think so, Jesse. I think uh, a Kindle Fire is more like a like a mini a, a mini iPad. What? Yeah. That's so great. I can't believe. Why wouldn't the iPad company just already make a mini iPad? I don't know. But, you know, if you are uh, it, also if you're utilizing a Kindle Fire, you are also buying local from right here in Seattle. Kindle Fire <laughs> furnished by Amazon. So <laughs> they're manufactured in Soto. They're manufactured right in the heart of downtown <laughs> Seattle. Uh, it takes a while to get all the stuff out of there because they only use hipsters to make them. But yeah. that means that they're consistently the coolest thing on the planet. So why why did the hipster burn himself on the Kindle Fire? Why? Because he was into it before it was cool. <laughs> How many hipsters does it take to manufacture a Kindle Fire? How many? Uh, it's a pretty obscure number. You've probably never heard of it. Probably not. <laughs> so anyway, go to ballmove.com slash contest. All the details are on that page. And get yourself a freaking Kindle Fire. Don't burn yourself on it. We're trying to give away a flammable object here. Right. Put it in I your do home. love that the, the Kindle is originally... Mm-hmm. And not anymore, but originally it was a, an e-reader for right. reading your e-books. Right. So what more appropriate name to give it than two <laughs> things that are combustion related? Right. And, and and little known fact, every Kindle Fire comes with Fahrenheit 451 on it. <laughs> Preloaded. Why? Because if you have a Kindle Fire, you're not going to get a bookshelf burned down in your house because all your books will be on your Kindle Fire. Exactly. Done and, and done. Uh, it, it explodes like... um. Inspector Gadget when he's done reading his mission for the day. Exactly. You got to throw out the window. It's going to start counting down and flashing. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so Kindle Fire, baldmove.com slash contest. Do it. Do it. Spread the word. Spread the word. Uh, So, Jesse, what are you drinking this week, buddy? Um, Well, I hate to do it. It's two weeks in a row now, but I'm drinking free beer from work. Free beer from work is uh, my favorite flavor of beer. It's a spring seasonal. (laughs) It's all year for me. <laughs> and all day, yeah. as you can probably tell. Well, this week, I'm going a little south of the border, and I am drinking Dos Equis Amber, which is my favorite cerveza. Mm-hmm. And I even bought a lime, and I'm chopping up the lime and putting it in there, because that's the way you drink it, man. Eh, yeah. The Amber, I think. I actually really enjoy Dos Equis, mm-hmm. uh, the regular version, the without, yep. without anything in it. And just use this episode dedicated to uh, it's dedicated to your I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop you. I'm going to hijack the dedication this week. My dedicate for this week. <laughs> it didn't go over very well. No, it didn't. 
Uh, we didn't plan that. Um, this show's going out to Paul. Paul from Chicago flew out to Seattle. Was like, "Hey, I'm going to be in town for business." Wrote us an email. Asked us what bars are good to go to here in town. Uh, then he was like, "And if you want to grab a drink, do it." And I was like, "Of course, Paul. Thanks for writing us and thanks for letting us know you're in town." I went out to Cafe Mox, which is the greatest game store uh, in the world here in Seattle. It's got a bar attached to it. Met up with Paul on Tuesday night. Um, played a bunch of Magic. Uh, got just got a couple of intro packs, and we played some Gate Crash. Um, drank a ton of beer. Paul, this one goes out to you. And uh, let Paul be an example to all of you. If you're going to be in Seattle, at least get a, get our advice on where to drink because we have the uh, we have the hookup here. And if you want, we're more than willing to meet up with you and have a beer. So. Uh, yeah. Well, I am. I live. Uh, I live two hours away. If from you're Seattle. if you're anywhere in Port Townsend at, at any point, let Jesse know. Uh-huh. If you're in the Greater Olympic Peninsula area, right? You know, give give me a heads up, <laughs> and I will get on my raccoon mobile exactly, and have my dear friends pull it. I live in the woods. Yep, it's that's a raccoon. A raccoon mobile is exactly what it sounds like. By the way. <laughs> It's just yeah. a bunch of raccoons that uh, it's like you've heard of the king rat, like when a bunch of rats get <laughs> mm-hmm. together and then their tails tangle up and then their bodies get fused together and then there's a rat king. Mm-hmm. That's basically what a raccoon mobile is. And then you have it pulled by deer. It's a lot like uh, my neighbor Totoro. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, So just let's get to a little bit of feedback this week. We did get a phone call. We um, did. We've been getting the phone calls. Uh. From the uh from the two seven zero lately, and that's in Texas. But apparently, the uh, listeners up in Maine had something to say about that because now they're they're giving us phone calls from the two zero seven. They're like, we're not one number off from the two seven zero. We need to get our voice heard. And I I'm, love this battle royale. I'm glad that they did. I think Maine Texas classic gl- grudge match. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> so anyway, what do you our, think of Texas rivals? Yeah, Maine yeah, yeah. springs right to mind. Maine is right there. So, uh, so anyway, here's our here's our message this week. Hey, Eric and Jesse, it's Josh from Maine, or as Eric likes to call me, Josh Perigo. It's actually pronounced Perigo. An Italian name, but I'm not Italian. Scottish and English, so I'm a little bit of a ginger. Uh, anyway, I've got a cold, so I'm gonna kind of kind of sound a little crappy, but um, so you guys were talking about wearing clothes um, in a decade when you stop buying clothes. And you're just going to wear that clothes for the rest of your life. So the other day, I dug down in my drawers, and I actually found an old, long sleeve t-shirt from Abercrombie and Finch. And I got this when I was in college in 99. I did pay a lot of money for it. It's, it still looks good. Uh, I don't think it looks bad, but as I was wearing it, I was hoping nobody would notice that I'm wearing like, I don't know, 12, 13-year-old t-shirt. Anyway, Got me thinking, what are the things I like to wear back then? You know, uh, when I was in high school or early in college. And I was thinking that I really like to wear those really thick uh, rib corduroys. Uh, I like to wear wool sweaters, earth tones. had a nice white ball state cap. And I always had my collective soul and my Dave Matthews band in my CD player. I just always had that stuff with me. That's what I think about when I was, uh, when I was in high school or when I was a freshman in college. So, uh, Thinking, what are the things that you guys always had with you or wore, you know, when you were that age? <clears throat> anyway, I'm going to go. 
Uh, have a good podcast, and I uh, hope this cold can get off my back. Stay arrogant. You stay arrogant. A Josh, a parigo. A parigo. A parigo. Get off of my back. I, I get off of my back. Uh, you're making me cry. Obviously, you're a little bit Italian if you have that name, <laughs> unless you're adopted or something, in which case I'm sorry for saying that. Yeah, thanks, Jesse. Uh, uh, yeah, I realized I was being a jerk. Insensitivity. But, Josh, regardless. I've been wearing insensitivity since I was in high school. <laughs> a great cologne. Great cologne. Insensitivity. <laughs> By Calvin Klein. <laughs> Um, I, uh, when I was in high school, I was like incredibly skinny. And when, uh, and luckily I've grown out of that. Luckily or yeah, unluckily. That was before you started drinking beer. That was before I started drinking <laughs> beer. I wasn't one of the cool kids who drank beer in high school. I waited until I, uh, moved to, moved to college and then I hit that bottle nice and hard. Um, <laughs> but regardless. <laughs> I was like ridiculously thin in, in high school. And so my thing was that I would wear, I would try to wear large clothes because for some reason I thought that if I was wearing large clothes, that then it would cover up my thinness. Now, this is a trend that has obviously died, uh, recently. But when I was a kid, I was like, oh yeah, if I wear like an extra large t-shirt, then I won't look skinny. When really it just makes you look more skinny. <laughs> it's like wrapping a toothpick in a piece of bacon. I don't know. I used to hang out with like the hipster kids before they were called hipsters. Right. Back then they were called scene kids or scenesters. Yeah, the scenesters, baby. So like my cousin was a total scenester. So Word. I would like go to shows and stuff with him and they would all wear Goodwill clothes. Right. Uh, before Macklemore sung about it. Yep. So I, I, I kind of did the thrift shop look. Right, but you also, Jesse, what I remember about your look is that you were about, you were all into the Vans. Vans, old school classics. Right. Which are exclusively the shoe that I wear to this day. Well, now you wear your, your beer boots. Well, I wear my extra tufts. Right. Until I discovered extra tufts, I wore exclusively <laughs> Vans, old school classics. Now I wear extra tough, uh, with the steel toe. Right. You know? I wear those a lot because, uh, hey, we're not supposed to talk about that. We're talking about high school. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so, so that's... one thing, one thing that plagued our middle, or we went to different middle schools, but one thing that mm -hmm. plagued Fairview Junior High was the, uh, the short hair that was like yeah. exceptionally gelled forward right. and like lines and then flipped up. Yes, in the front. At, in the front, yep. uh, it like went Straight forward, right. like at the person you are looking at, and then right, right. up to heaven. It's called Just either the raising uh, Jesus. It's called either the uh, reverse Caesar or the ducktail, I believe. Mm. But Pretty I had bad uh, look. It it was extra good when it was uh, frosted tips. Yeah, frosted tips. I had all of that. I had the frosted <laughs> tips. I had the L.A. Looks extra hold gel, which was actually <laughs> green and it came in a clear bottle. <laughs> Did you have the uh, puka shell necklace? I did. I had the puka shell. I had the smooth puka, and I also had the rough puka. Um, <laughs> What's the difference? The rough puka isn't cut into like circles. It's like the rough puka. It's like they're like they're like jagged shards of puka. Uh, and but, that felt nice on your neck. I bet. But that was the well. It's all uh, you know. It's all it's all massaged by the sea. Mm. But the that was one of the most embarrassing moments in junior high was when and this this tells you how embarrassing junior high was for me. But uh, 
<laughs> I was playing uh like basketball in gym and I wouldn't take off my Pukashell necklace when I played. <laughs> and then all of a sudden like I I like hear this like sound like <laughs> and I like look and my Pukashell necklace <laughs> is like broken and the shells are falling all over the gym floor like rolling everywhere. <laughs> Uh, what were the ones that were like the little white discs and there were like yeah. hundreds of them? That was Puka. Was that, that was Puka Shell That's too? Puka. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I had all the Pukas, dude. I had the rough Puka, I had the smooth Puka, I had the black Puka. What were like the ones that looked like little mini cowrie shells? What's a cowrie? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it, it's, anyway. This has been chilling about shells. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I wanted to bring this up. It yeah. doesn't matter. Uh, no one will find this interesting, but I want to say it anyway because yep. it's embarrassing to our uh-huh. friend Levi. Yep. But Levi had his Puka Shell necklace broken at, uh, I think it was Brad Omen's birthday party on his front yard. And it, it, he was very, very upset about it. I know. I mean, that's like $4 a necklace right there. <laughs> Not my Puka. Anyway. Someone's going to have to go to Hawaii before I get another one of those. Right. You, there's no way you could get them at like any department store. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I guess I guess I guess that's the answer though is Puka. Thank you for calling though, Josh, and uh and have a good time in Perigoland. <laughs> and then finally, uh we did get a we got a new uh connected Dotsy for this week, Roger Dotsy writing in. He gave us a great topic last week that lent its name to the name of the episode. Thank God it's Fight Club. Um where he challenged us to figure out a genre or mythos to put uh to put uh, into a Mortal Kombat style fighting game. We chose TGIF. And he says, um, first, you guys went above and beyond my wildest dreams for my fighting game idea. I knew you could take that idea and run with it, and run you did. Fantastic. That being said, I must play TGIFC. Thank God it's Fight Club. And when I do, I know my go to character will be, of course, Mr. Feeney. He is able to use a ruler to wrap knuckles, freeze other characters with his stern glare attack. And finish them off with Fatal Lecture. I can't wait. Very solid choice. It is a solid choice. But, but Carl has a gun. <laughs> Carl has a gun. He also, will shoot Mr. Feeney in the face. Also, uh, Mr. Feeney does have a, a, uh, a, a total weakness. And he's got an adversary that he could never beat. Knight Rider. Well, there's Knight Rider. And then there's Eric Matthews. Ah, uh, Corey Matthews' brother. Right. He would just he would be able to to hex Mr. Feeney with uh, poorly used puns and uh, just dumb looks. And what's called the "I don't give a fuck" factor. Exactly. No, that's the more sh- that's like Sean, dude. Oh, Sean's oh yeah, you're right. Eric Matthews is just the dummy. Anyway, man, Sean was like the prototype for cool kid. To exactly. Me. Yeah, I had the like, Sean. That haircut. kid is so cool. I there's no way I could ever possibly be as cool as Sean. Speaking of speaking of haircuts, I had the Sean haircut. Mm, yeah, I, was that I tried age. that look. Yeah. Uh, eighth grade long, didn't work. Long hair parted down the middle. Yeah, it did not work for me. Then Roger says, second, please understand the sporting world is in a beautiful place. There is a wonderful thing happening right here very soon in the good old U.S. of A. In fact, it's the best sporting event in the world for my two cents, and that's the college basketball postseason. Nothing beats March Madness. Nothing. And I'm telling you, conference tournaments are just as fun. 
So you don't have a team, no problem. Follow my Louisville Cardinals or whoever you want. Just don't say that there's a sports lull right now. That hurts my heart. I understand March Madness is happening, Roger, but it's not happening right now. <laughs> Soon. Soon. Soon the sports lull will be over. But, but the, frankly, the seeding is happening right now. Not really. I mean, you're, you get a little bit of that, but really. We got Gonzaga. Hometown yeah. Heroes as a potential number one. That's exciting. Yeah, that's true. Um, but you also have, you know, the conference tournaments are starting up soon. And those are exciting because whoever wins the conference tournament gets to go to the dance. But I'm just thinking about, like, right now, like, post-All-Star break NBA basketball. Like, that's the thing that kind of sucks. It's like uh, it's like we're just seeing who's going to be the eighth seed in the playoffs. <laughs> So I'm with you, Roger. March Madness rules. I hope the Huskies can win the Pac-12 tournament and get in. But uh, but right now, what are you going to do? They root yeah. for the Cardinals. I like Louisville. Conference USA. Let's do this shit. That's who I decided to root for. Yeah. I, I was actually talking to my boss, who's like a total sports fanatic, and mm-hmm. uh, he's like kind of a compulsive gambling guy. So yep. he was giving me the skinny mm-hmm. on... Uh, March Madness. It actually sounds really exciting. Yeah, the other thing is that uh, our our good friends over at the Bald Move Network, their hometown, uh, University of Indiana, they're uh, they're looking like they might be a number one seed as well. Oh, so yeah, I, I I could see myself getting into March Madness. March Madness, and I am fun. gonna root for the Cardinals. Yeah, and all you gotta do is get a bracket. I mean, just fill out a bracket, and you'll start having fun. Yeah. So. Anyway, uh, let's do a little Tiny Matt roll off and start the show. What do you say? Yeah, it's about time, Eric. Okay. Uh, we're just going to roll a 20-sided die. See who gets to talk first on the cast. Here we go. I rolled an Eleven. I rolled a 9, Jesse. You're first. Woo! Well, um, I want to take this into a science category. Cool. Because a very interesting thing has been happening in the world of insects and flowers. Mm-hmm. Uh- <laughs> He sounds super interested. Um, <laughs> I, was just, I was just drinking beer in my mouth. Basically, what they've discovered is certain flowers have literally evolved to um, distribute caffeine. Ah. And that caffeine distribution has proven to uh, make the bees more likely to return to that flower. So is this? are these flowers that didn't used to? Because, I mean, caffeine is basically a... <laughs> plant byproduct yes you're correct and uh what i believe my interpretation of this article is that these are flowers that did not previously produce caffeine and Ah, now are we're getting a caffeinated plant world we're getting a caffeinated plant that previously wasn't caffeinated some expert was quoted here in this article and said that's a new trick in the book for plants this is an interesting thing because uh you know there's this whole idea that People are drinking more caffeinated beverages in general, like more than at any time in history. I am 100% sure that's true. And there's been this thing that they've been testing soil in different cities, and they found that caffeine content in soil is actually going up a lot because people drink caffeinated beverages. And then they they go pee-pee, and then their pee-pee goes uh, into the ground because that's where pee goes. Right. Um, Especially (laughs) in college towns. And uh, and then maybe this is something that plants are sucking up and then using themselves. Oh, that's an interesting idea that they're getting it from the soil. Yeah, our caffeinated soil from our pee-pee. 
Huh. Well, uh, yeah, that is interesting. That yeah. this could maybe just be a byproduct. Not that ca- not that the flowers are actively trying to give off caffeine, but they don't have any option but yeah. to do it. And then the bees are getting all buzz drunk off it. Right. And then the bees are gonna get caffeinated, and then the honey's gonna be caffeinated, and then we're gonna be even more caffeinated. And it's a get- circle of life. Exactly. Caffeine cycle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before long, the entire planet will be nothing but caffeine. <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, th- they were talking about some of the ways that plants basically incentivize animals to spread pollen, right? Mm-hmm. Sugar and nectar, obviously. Memorable right. fragrances. Yeah. The, I, I was wondering if you, if you were using incentivize as a pun. Oh, I, I wasn't, I didn't mean to, but yes, incentivize. Right. Because they smell good. Yep. And then, uh, Quoting here, even substances in fruit that can act like laxatives in the service of quick seed dispersal. Like caffeine. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Uh, yeah. The old drink and poop. Everyone's yeah. had that moment where they've had a big breakfast and they have their first cup of coffee and they're like, oh. Yep. So, you know, maybe that's part of it. <laughs> yeah. I like to think, I, I like to think so. Yeah. I, uh... It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, we're we're definitely living in a more caffeinated society. Absolutely. Um, we get all these beverage, we get like Beverage Insider magazine at work. Uh-huh. Which uh, we get it because like every now and then they talk about beer kind of. Right. But it's like 99% dedicated to other types of beverages, these magazines. Uh-huh. I like to read them because like they kind of contextualize beer stuff within like the bigger picture of the beverage industry. Yep. And they're always talking about, like, the explosive growth of, like, Monster Energy Drink. Yeah. Almost, like, Monster and Rockstar. And the insane amount that they uh, sell. And I, I was reading one thing, and, like, uh, Monster sells, like, oh, I think it's, like, over 2 billion units a year. Jeez. Yeah. A, just an absurd amount yeah. of money going into these caffeinated uh beverage yeah and then not to mention you also have like um five hour energy right five hour energy is huge and no what's actually new the new growing uh market in the beverage industry is hangover cures i don't know i don't like to uh if i'm super tired i don't like to caffeinate because it's (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the 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 difference between the down that I'm feeling and the up that is artificially now in my body is too great. And then it just turns into <laughs> panic. Shocks the system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. I drink just enough caffeine when I'm hungover. Well, let's, let's talk about what we do when we're hungover. I actually, this is an early reco, so I woke up with the, hang, with the headache. Mm. I wasn't like completely hungover. I just didn't get enough sleep, which is something that alcohol does because... You don't get as good, you don't get as good of sleep if you're drunk. Right. And, and then I also had the headache and I was really dehydrated, uh, which caused my headache, but I I popped two Excedrin. So Excedrin has a couple things in it. It has the aspirin, but then it also has caffeine in it. It does. And I popped two. It has as much caffeine as a cup of coffee. Oh, well, I popped two Excedrin and my, uh, just, Overall, I felt a ton better in like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I think Excedrin it, is my hangover miracle cure. Yeah, and, and I, just a ton of water. Oh, I, and it was Excedrin migraine. 
Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then what do you do? Walk. What do you do for food? Uh, anything. <laughs> I get, I get greasy food. Yeah. Well, I like, it's good to get salty food because if you are dehydrated, then you're, oh, those you're lacking salt. So salt is good, but I just had a cheese Danish and a yogurt. I, <laughs> I literally just need any, I need to eat anything. Uh, I have mean, you tried the Pedialyte cure? Nah. See, I'm not a big fan of liquids because I feel like liquids lead to vomiting, but if, <laughs> Mm-hmm. But like a good solid breakfast, then that'll sit heavy in your stomach. Right. Well, I'm a tall guy too, so I feel like you know if I eat food, it's 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 got a long way to travel to come back up. <laughs> Whereas liquid, I feel like it's a little more valuable. This is the strangest logic. It su- it's also this is a super weird podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, so um, bees are caffeinated. We're caffeinated. The soil's caffeinated. We're living in a caffeine paradise. And I'm just wondering, because, like, we've already gotten our hands slapped because for uh, for Loco. Right. Like, it's, uh, and I don't know. It's just, I I used to work at a place, too. um, I used to work at, like, a a company that did a lot of sales, and there were a lot of salesmen around. And they would drink Red Bull like crazy. Like, they Mm -hmm. would just chain drink Red Bulls. Yeah, Red Bull was, like, the original monster. Right. Yeah, all these energy drinks are, like, far and away the fastest growing segment in the beverage industry. Yeah, and I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's good or if it's bad or what it, I don't know what it is, but it's not for me. I I just can't do it. My body can't can't handle that. I used to. And, like, monsters taste good, man. They really do taste good to me. I actually like the taste of Red Bull. I know Mm. it's kind of weird, but, like, I like a good vodka Red Bull. I love a Jaeger bomb every once in a while. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah. it's, I think it's yeah, the yeah. same thing. It's like, it's really weird because I feel like when you're younger, your body can handle yeah. a lot more substance than you, than it can when you get a little older. Dude, when I drink a couple co- cups of coffee, I feel my heart starting to right. race. I'm like, oh God, this is not good. Right. And then I can like hear it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't really want to be hearing like, this I right now. I need to go lay down somewhere. Exactly. And I'm like, oh my God, what if my heart stops beating? Then I'll die. And then everything goes, and everything goes downhill from there. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, caffeine, man. It's everywhere. Do it. <laughs> do it. Do it. <laughs> Just do it. Just do it. Uh, all right. So my first topic this week is going to be a game topic. Um, and, uh, everybody in the gaming world right now, they're talking about two different things. They're talking about SimCity. And I'm talking about Assassin's Creed. Mm. Did I take either of your topics? No. Okay. So, uh, and these are for good. There's good side and there's bad side to each of these. So, the first thing is, is that SimCity uh, just got released. And they're just calling it SimCity, but I think it's something like SimCity 4 or SimCity 5 at this point. They're, I guess they're trying to relaunch it because they're just calling it SimCity. And they're having a lot of server problems, which goes to what we were talking about uh, a couple weeks ago when you were saying how ridiculous it is that you need a perpetual internet connection to play a game. Well, Mm -hmm. with SimCity, you have to be connected to the EA servers at all times in order to play. The problem with that is that, oh, the EA servers actually can't handle the load. So not only are people getting a minimized, uh, they, they're not able to even get on the server, which means they can't even play the game. But in order to, uh, in order to combat this, EA has decided to disable certain features in the game so that they can handle the load on the servers. Oh, that sucks. 
So welcome to Stupid Town, because I mean, give me a break. This that's is the name of my Sim City. That's the name Stupid of Stupid Town. That's the name of the spinoff of Cougar Town, actually. <laughs> I uh, thought that was the name of the actual show. No, it's no. That's that's the the dudes from Cougar Town. They go to Stupid Town. Yeah. Um. But uh. But this is exactly what we were talking about with the problems with um with perpetual internet necessity, like. Imagine if your Super NES games needed perpetual internet connection in order to play. It's basically, we're now losing functionality in our gaming world because of these supposed technological advances. Right. You know? Yeah, that's a good question. What happens when they decide to stop supporting those servers? Yeah, exactly. Like, I spend... Your game doesn't exist anymore? Right. So That's totally bogus. It's totally bogus. It's like... People are going to have to figure out a way to hack these things to connect them uh-huh. to proxy servers so that they can actually play these games. Yeah. If they're even, if they're even, even have the wherewithal to, to go through that effort. I mean, can you imagine if you wanted to pop Donkey Kong Country into your SNES that you had to have a perpetual internet connection in order to play it? Yeah. That's crazy. Is that the most ridiculous you, you thing? You must connect to the, uh, uh, oh, damn. Who published Donkey Kong Country? Well, it was a Nintendo game, but it was published by uh, Rareware. Rareware, okay. yes, yes. Must connect to Rareware servers. Rareware servers. Connecting, connecting, connect. Yeah, <laughs> that stupid golden R logo spinning yeah. around over and over. Oh god. Yeah, that would. Uh, so this is like that would be bananas. And hopefully, you know, we talked about it. Like, you know, PlayStation has they had a PR a huge PR problem on their hands two years ago. But now nobody's ever talking about the fact that somebody hacked into their servers and stole everybody's credit card numbers. No one but us. Right. But this is the thing. Like, this is the type of event. And SimCity is the type of title that people were very excited about. People right. have strong connections to the game, me included. SimCity, yeah, I mean, when I heard it was being re-released, I was actually thinking about downloading it off of yeah. Steam. And I've only downloaded one game off of Steam, and that was XCOM, the original one. <laughs> And I was like two years ago. Like I'm just not a Steam guy right now. I'm a console guy. But I actually was thinking about downloading SimCity because I love SimCity. I think it's a great game, and it it takes me back to my childhood. I love playing SimCity on the on the console on on Super Nintendo. I also love playing SimCity 2000. I played the hell out of that game. I played it over and over and over. Um, and the fact that a big title like this that has a lot of connection to gaming history. You're going to get a lot of hardcore gamers who are like, yeah, I want to play SimCity because I love it. And to have this big of a problem with such a big title um, and basically screw over your customers because you can't get your shit together and you put this arbitrary thing on the game where you have to have perpetual internet connection in order to play it. uh, Hopefully this would be the type of event that would stop future console makers and future developers from requiring perpetual internet connection in order to play a game. Um, but unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, it's it's really absurd. I, I'm bummed out because yeah. um, I'm a big SimCity fan. I used to play the original on the PC. Yeah. I played SimCity 2002 after that. I didn't play that as much. I also played the Super Nintendo version. Yeah, yeah. Which was legit yep. and a lot of fun. I always really enjoyed it. And one thing that comes to mind when I think of SimCity... Uh, or uh, on the list of things that I don't need, yeah, are other players. <laughs> exactly. 
I don't need anyone else. Like what? Like my neighbors so that we can charge each other for energy or something. Right. Whatever. That's boring and I don't need that. And SimCity is... This isn't Farmville. I don't need interaction with my neighbors. Right. Yeah. I When I think back to playing SimCity 2000, that was just like a moment in my life where I could sit down and veg out, and right. I would turn all the disasters off, and I yeah, would Yeah, I would do that, too. I would turn the time to the fastest, uh-huh. and I would sit there and just collect tax money until <laughs> I had raised the entire map, R-A-Z-E-D, raised the entire map <laughs> to flat... And, and and drained all of the lakes, and until I had the entire map covered in city, you know, that, and that was my that was my jam, dude. What I would do, I would always uh, when I started up a new game, I would refresh it until I got an island. Uh huh. I don't know why, but I like playing on islands, and especially I would refresh it and start over and over and over until I got an island with a smaller island right off the coast. Uh huh. And I would build my nuclear power plant there. Uh huh. On the small island. Right. And then build a line right across to the mainland so that if the, eventually, cause the nuclear power plant eventually melted down. That was inevitable. Right. But uh, if it was on its own little mini island, then uh, it, it would be contained. Right. See, this is what we're talking about. Like, SimCity is a meditation to me. Yes. No, that's a, that's a great way to put it. It's a meditation. It's a Zen thing. Right. It's not, I don't need. It's like your, it's like your little Zen garden mixed with your um, uh, bonsai tree. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I. I don't know. So this is very disappointing to me, and it, it's it's really too bad that well, something. Know what that, it is, Eric? What? And it, it's the sticky fingers of Electronic Arts. EA fucks up everything they touch. They do. Every game EA touches is awful. Like Mass Effect Two. Mass Effect was one of my favorite games ever. Mass Effect Two was a turd on ice. Yeah. And it's all because of the electronic arts plague. Everything they touch, like somehow their executives get involved and they turn the creative staff away from actual innovation and good ideas and are like, this is what we're going to do to make it profitable, blah, blah, blah. We need this, Mm -hmm. something like a perpetual internet connection because of profits, blah, blah, blah. And every time it happens, it sucks. Yeah. And there's just, you know, there's, like Madden is not getting any more innovative. No. Um. E- even the EA Sports brands, like you have a monopoly on football games. Yeah, and EA Sports is actually better than EA right. in many cases. Well, there's also the whole thing of their their NBA property, which has <laughs> never gotten off the ground. It's full of bugs. Anyway, yeah. um. So this this is very disappointing. Sounds like uh, sounds like um, Space Jam. Yes. Great. Know why? Why? Because it's full of bugs. Full of bugs. I I got it. (laughs) Uh, That's all, folks. Um, Kindle Fire HD. You can win one. Yeah. Baldur.com slash Gottas. So we, the other thing that I want to talk about is there's a new Assassin's Creed that's been announced. It's going to be coming out in November. Yeah. This is another EA property, I think. I no, I this, is not, this is not. It's, 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 it? it's, 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 this is Ubisoft, I think. I believe it's Ubisoft. It might be Activision, but I'm pretty sure it's Ubisoft. Which I don't know how to pronounce Ubisoft. I don't know if it's Ubisoft. I, I go or with U- Ubisoft. Yeah, I don't know which one it I is. I go with Ubisoft. <laughs> um, 
But uh, but there's a new Assassin's Creed game coming out, and they've announced that you know the big thing is always who or what era is it going to be taking place in, and the uh, the new Assassin's Creed is going to be Pirates Creed. It's going to be mm-hmm. taking place on the high seas, um, and uh, and the the trailer is basically Blackbeard the pirate explaining about this uh, this other captain who is like ruthless and crazy. And then you, uh, and then they cut to the captain, and he puts on a hood, and then he starts fighting dudes and slashing them, and um, so it looks like as you, the assassin in this game, you're going to be actually captaining your own ship, which mm-hmm. is pretty pretty cool to me. I think that sounds pretty neato. Um, but also with the with the new Assassin's Creed announcement, there comes the uh, complaining from the gaming community about uh about the era. So even like the last one where it was Revolutionary War which we thought was really cool. They did have the time where they bit, I think they made three games in the Renaissance era. So that one got a little played out and the first one of course took place in the during the Crusades. Um but there's always the uh there's always the the uproar in the gaming community about well why aren't you doing feudal Japan or why aren't you doing ancient Egypt or or, 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 you know, whatever. So just it's hard to jump off a pyramid. It is hard to jump off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ow, ow. That's my recreation of what it sounds like to jump off a pyramid, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Good one. Um, uh, but, Jesse, I just wanted to, to throw this to you. What era do you think Assassin's Creed should be in? Do, um, first of all, do well, you like the pirate era? Uh well before before we get going I okay. I have to say uh from my Wikipedia research there's no EA Assassin's Creed right. connection so I have to apologize for that right is it Ubisoft yes yes Ubisoft Ubisoft uh, they're uh they're Netherlanders uh huh um as for pirates the thing about pirates and this is coming from someone who ran a pirate uh nautical based dungeons and dragons campaign mm-hmm. for quite some time yep ship battles get boring after a while yeah they're fun at first but then it's the same thing over and over again there's only so many variations on a sailboat mm-hmm. that you can really do yep so that that gets a little stale but yep. that being said jumping off the rigging and swinging around on the ropes and stuff that's cool yeah i just feel like pirates are kind of played out right now well, I think pirates were played out during the whole Pirates of the Caribbean era, but I think... But we're still in that era. I don't know if we are, though. There's, like, pirate movies still coming out. I know, but I don't know if we're... I, don't, I, I think the pirates kind of fell away for a while. And I think that maybe a game is a way to bring it back. I'm excited about being able to... Like, I think about the uh, the the landscape that, that this is taking place in. You know, if it is Pirates of the Caribbean... um. You know, if you could have kind of your home base, you could have your pirate island, and then you could like, you know, all these take place in the actual in the actual world. So you could have like, you know, Havana or the Bahamas, or you could go up to New Orleans. Like, I think there's a lot of cool things that you could do, and a lot of different environments that you could explore. Whereas Assassin's Creed up to this point has basically been based in like one city or one area. Um, but I think you could get really different cultural flavor throughout this thing. The same type of thing that happened in like 
you know, San Andreas uh, or or the same thing that happened in like you know, Red Dead uh, Revolver. Like you could have or Red Dead Revolution. What was that? Red Dead Redemption. Um, Red Dead Revolution should be the name of the next one. But um, yeah, Red Dead Revolution is about the communist takeover of Russia. <laughs> Red Red Dead Revolution. You play as John Marshall. <laughs> Red Dead Revolution is just a, a mashup of Red Dead Redemption and Dance Dance Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of fiestas and stuff. It's cool. Um, but I don't know. I I think the pirate thing sounds cool. A lot of people have been flown feudal Japan. I think that that sounds awesome. Like if you were like a samurai yeah, assassin. There, there's been a lot of like uh, fan art. Yep. That uh, illustrate the feudal Japan thing. And I, I heard that they came out and said, we're not going to do this because it's a, already a saturated genre. Hmm. It's there's already. I mean, if you want that, you can play Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, but Assassin's Creed, I guess it's true. They go places that video games don't go. Right, like they went to the, the Crusades. They went to the Crusades. They went to Renaissance uh, Florence. They went to the Revolutionary War, which I was yeah. very happy about. I think the Revolutionary War is very <laughs> interesting. It's a very interesting era, and I wish there was more there. Um, and really, pirates haven't been done in a way that's, you know, that's been super successful yet. So, well, there's Sid Meier's Pirates, of course. Um, you're asking about where they should go with it. Yep, and. Uh, just because, you know, it's a genre that video games don't touch very much, I think that they should do World War II. Yes. There's hardly any World you War know, II games you know, out there. I would love that to finally see some, some video game that revolved around. Finally. Uh, the Forgotten War, as it were. But seriously, um, I think that they could do a cool Assassin's Creed, uh, like, Cold War. I think that sounds really cool. I was just, like I was James just, Bond kind of style. Or actually have him be KGB or something. Like oh, make it, make yeah, pretty... that would be dope. Or, like, fighting the KGB, but, right. like, a Russian who's, yeah, like, like, a capitalist Russian mm-hmm. who's trying to bring down the KGB. Yeah, or, like, yeah, like a like a resistance fighter within the Soviet Union. Or, like, yeah, from one of the, uh, oh, this is, the, so he's from one of the bloc countries that was mm, taken over like by the Soviet He's, like, a West Union. German. Yeah. And, or a Hungarian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's somewhere that's been taken over by the Soviet Union, so he's yeah. part of the resistance force. Yeah. yeah, he's like he's one of Bela Kuhn's lost fighters. There you go. And uh, yeah, he's in Moscow. You could have because they always have multiple cities. You could have like Prague, Petersburg, and Moscow. Yeah, exactly. Mm, oh, I, I like this. And the beginning part of the well, game, I, I really like having like uh, West Germany be in there. And they yeah, have, West and they have the Berlin Wall. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. it could be, like, all of Berlin, you know, and then yeah. it's the map is split by the Berlin Wall, and you get to, like, both sides of the map have, like, different certain yeah. things affecting it. Yeah. I think that'd be pretty dope. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, EA, or not EA, Ubisoft, you can just send your checks to a free Kindle giveaway, Bald Move slash contest. There you go. And uh, we'll accept your money there. There you go. <laughs> All right, Jesse, let's do a little bit of trivia. What do you say? All right, let's do it. All right, uh, so we're going to be doing Trivial Pursuit. Um, I'm going to be rolling a six-sided die to see who gets to speak first on the cast this week. And here we go. Uh, not speak first, but what category we're doing. Oh, man, I rolled a two entertainment. It's been boycotted. Right. Uh, one, geography. Let's do it, Jesse. Probably our favorite category. Probably. I like history. I also like sports yeah. and leisure. Science and nature is <laughs> solid. All Anything right, they're all your favorites. Yes. 
Uh, Jesse, this question's for you. Please play along at home. Where are three quarters of the world's pineapples grown? Huh. I actually don't know. Mm-hmm. That's three quarters of the world's pineapples. I feel like it might be Central America, but then I just immediately think of Hawaii. I gotta go with Hawaii. Yeah, I'm gonna go with, uh, I was gonna go with Hawaii as well. I'll go with the Philippines. Hawaii, you got oh, it. I don't think go. that's the case anymore, but I think it probably was when this was released. This is a genus one. Alright, this one's for me. What royal residence has 600 rooms? I'm gonna go with, uh, Versailles. I'm gonna go with, um, Buckingham. Ah, you got it. Woo, with the steel. Damn it. Um, this one's for you, Jesse. What country's capital is Tirana? Um, um, I'll just answer because, uh, it's boring if I just keep stalling. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Saudi Arabia? I'll go with Iran, why not? Albania. Oh. So Jesse, you already won, but I'll, I'll give this one a shot anyway. What country forms a 2,000 mile archipelago along the east coast of Asia? Uh, well, I'll go with, would it be? Yeah, why not? I'll go with Japan. What country? Yeah. A 2,000 mile long, uh, the United States. <laughs> Japan, I got it. Nice. All right. Well, I say face a little bit, but you won everything this week, Jesse. So why don't you give me your second topic? It's been a while since I've won everything. It's been a while since I won it all. <laughs> uh, so cracked.com, the uh-huh. website, yep. uh, had a article, you know, they're like the masters of lists. Yep. They have like X amount of Y does this. Right. So uh, they posted the six board games that ruined it for everyone. <laughs> yeah. I thought we could go through the list and kind of give our spin on it. Yeah, well, go ahead and give a little context as to what this is. Uh, it's six board games that everyone hates. Oh, so Not that everyone hates. It's, it's the six board games that basically have an unwarranted uh, reputation and... Uh, kind of made everyone hate board games. So it, th- these are unwarranted reputations, or they are warranted? Well, no, they're. I mean, they have reputations, and they're like the they're the games that everyone owns and played as kids and right. everything, but yeah. actually sucked. And it actually, it, well, we'll get into this, I'm sure, but it, it kind of blows my mind how many bad board games, uh, are, like this are such a yeah, big part of our childhoods. Yeah, and that's the that's the point is that it ruined it for everyone. Yeah. In that, like, board games, board games have a shitty reputation. Yeah, because of the shitty board games that were basically the only thing available when yeah. we were kids. Yeah. So let's go through the list. What are they? Well, number six is Snakes and Ladders, aka uh-huh. Shoots and Ladders. Right. Um, I didn't really play this game very much as a kid. As I recall, it's basically roll a dice and hope you don't land on the le- the shoot yeah, or the snake. That's basically it. I mean, these are what you would call your, these are basically your rail shooters. Like, <laughs> you just roll a die. Candyland's the same way. Yeah, and see what happens. Yeah, well, you- Candyland is even a deck of cards. It's not even a die. Right. It's the luck of the draw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shoots and Ladders, I did enjoy this game as a kid, though, just because I thought that the, um, like, I just remember the board being, like, terrified children. 
<laughs> and then like happy kids climbing ladders and then like terrified children sliding down. Right. I got a little joy out of that. As Artistic a board for sure. Yeah. But well, anyway, that's a kid's game. Like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It, does anybody you, actually, you can forgive it. Does anybody ever actually remember playing that game? No. <laughs> like I remember it. I remember vaguely like it being around, but I don't re- have like a, a vivid experience or a vivid memory of actually having an experience playing that game. Right. Well, maybe the next one you will have that, and that's the game of life. Mm. Uh, life. I liked this game a lot. See, this was one of those games that I would take out because the board was cool. And I, another uh-huh. cool board. I like it how had it those had, plastic pieces you had to yeah, slide like into the hills, the slots. and you had a car. Uh-huh. You could have a family, but like, right? No, I've never actually played a game of the game of life. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what the rules are. We would just take out the board and kind of play with the pieces. It's is literally, uh, you you spin the spinner thing, which I liked. Yeah, the spinner's cool. It went through uh one th- one through ten. Uh-huh. Because one through six wasn't luck based enough. Right. <laughs> they decided to go one through ten. We need to up the, the probability of this. Uh, or lower um, it or whatever. It was like a wheel of fortune thing that went which I always enjoyed spinning it. I think that was the best part of the game. Mm-hmm. And uh again, this is another thing that I don't think kids in the future are going to appreciate at all. Yeah, it'll be like download the app to roll. Yeah, exactly. Yep. But this one had a couple of, it, it has some strategic things. It'd be like, do you want to buy life insurance? <laughs> or, or it'd be like, if you landed, it would like stop you on certain squares and you'd choose like, get the job right after high school or go to college. And if you went to college, you had to like pay a bunch of money, but you got more money later. Uh-huh. That- so it, it had that kind of thing. So there's, there's a little bit more strategy than just your shoots and ladders. Right. Why does Cracked hate it? Um, because it was, in essence, it wasn't anything more than just spinning that Wheel of Fortune type thing. Also, it took forever. Yep. And the only thing that really mattered was getting to the, finishing the game for one, which like nine times out of ten you wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. And then it's just whoever had the most money. Yeah. Yeah. So like actual life. That's how you win. All right. Okay. And then, uh. Uh, number four, appropriately, Connect Four. Oh, are you joking? I love Connect Four. Mm, see, you know, I thought I loved Connect Four until I played it recently. I do love it. I still love it. I had the app on my phone for a while. Uh, for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't play it anymore because it's a poorly designed app. Uh-huh. Well, it's also kind of a poorly designed game. Uh, one thing that they mentioned was that this was a way to sell five cents worth of recycled plastic for $22. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is true. But I, I was playing it recently. I was at a bar that had it and Tasha and I were playing it and we, we attempted to play two games. Both games ended up in a draw, not because of, you know, we ran out of space and pieces. Right. But because, uh, one of us put a piece in and then it knocked the bottom thing oh, out of on. orientation and the whole thing spilled. Well, that's, that's a problem with your game. That's a problem I, with the bar for. I feel like this might be endemic. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to go to day camp during the summertime. Because my parents worked and like they had no, they're like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this child. <laughs> so they used to send me to day camp and I, that's all we would do like all day long was play Connect Four at right. day camp. They had like seven sets and everyone would just sit around and play Connect Four all day long. 
So I have a very warm place in my heart for Connect Four. I think it's actually a great game, and I think it's a better use of checkers than checkers. Mm. But that's just me. Get off my back. I, you know, I think you could be on onto something there. No, yeah. what, what it's a combination of checkers and gravity? Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, and it's all about trapping your friend. Like, there's nothing more fun yeah. than getting your friend in the place where they. It doesn't matter where they go; you'll still win. Yeah, like, it's uh, fun. Well, let's move on to number three here, Battleship. Yeah, yeah, Battleship sucks. Uh, They call it basically all the fun of bingo without the exciting social scene. (laughs) Because you're basically just calling out random numbers. And then when you get a success, choosing one of four random directions to go from there. Right. Yeah, I was never a big fan of Battleship. Obviously, I liked Battleship when I was a kid. Obviously, there's some strategy as to, like, where you hide your ships. Yeah. Do you space them out? Or do you do that them all uh, together. move where you put them all on one side? <laughs> yeah, I like that too. I, l- I like that when you cram them all into one area, and once your opponent finds it, it's just a lush spring of right. hits. <laughs> yeah, it's also funny because they like get to the point where like, I should have sunk one of your battle. I should have sunk at least one of your ships by now. And then they're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, oh back to back. wait. <laughs> <laughs> now I could sink all of your ships. You put your sub right next to your battleship. Yeah, dude, plus that fucking little destroyer. That thing is so hard to find. Depot, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, put that sucker in a corner. Exactly. All right, all right. So now we're getting to the championship rounds. Okay. Number two, risk. Okay. You know my feelings on this, but I, I feel like you're much more of a risk apologist than I am. I like risk. I like it. I think that it's uh it's a pretty fun game. I've you know, I think there are a lot of these games that people would play, but they would never finish them. Like, uh, like it's kind of the game of life. Like, I never even got started the game of life. And I can count on one finger the amount of times I've actually finished a game of Monopoly. Right. But, like, Risk, I've played multiple games of Risk. I think it's actually a pretty fun game. And it, I think it's a type of game that makes a game like Axis and Allies less intimidating. Because you're like, okay, I kind of understand a little bit of this. And this is just kind of the the next step up from that. Yeah, that's true. So I think it's a good starter game for kids. I think, you know, now I'm not a bit, I'm not, I'm not ever like, Hey, let's, let's break out risk. I think I had a, a risk game that I gave away to Goodwill, uh, mm. to clear out some space, but, um, yeah, it sounds like a lot of these have a place in the, the stepping stone to better games. Yeah. I think risk is kind of that really, really in that vein. I think risk is, uh, a good intro game, like before you start getting into designer games. And it's a game you can learn when you're a kid. And then you're like, oh, I just have to take over Asia and then I'll pretty much win. <laughs> yeah. That being said, I, um, I actually learned how to play Axis and Allies before Risk. Well, Jesse. And that did me pretty well, I have to say. So they offered some, uh, alternatives uh-huh. Wait, to the so game. They number weren't one? just pooping on games, they were also promoting them. Was that number one? No. But I w- since we're in the championship round, I want to get to oh, okay. uh, what they promoted. They yep. said a good alternative for Risk was Catan. Oh, uh, come on. Which is, I mean, Catan's obviously a great game, but it doesn't. Yeah, it's not, not very substitute. Risk-like it's not to me. not a substitute for Risk. It's, I think Axis and Allies is your substitute for Risk. Yeah, I agree. Uh, um, what else? I'm trying to think of like games where you have like a territory that you defend. But like Small World. Small World is the perfect substitute for yes. Risk. Yes. You're 100% correct. Yeah. 
So uh, the number one uh, game that ruined it for everyone, and you uh-huh. mentioned it earlier, yep. Monopoly. Yeah. The, so Louis C.K., early reco here again, Louis C.K. has a special. He released oh, is a special. Oh, it the shoot up? It, well, it's like, it's his, it's his newest one. It's now available on Netflix for free. Yeah. It's one I've that been he sold for five it. bucks. It is great. And he's got a great bit in there about playing Monopoly with his children and how demoralizing it is for them. <laughs> Anyway, I'm not. <coughs> well, <coughs> excuse me. I'm not going to uh, to ruin it, and I'm not going to try to imitate uh, Louis C.K. because it'll be way funnier when he says it. But watch that because it it really does point out why Monopoly is such a terrible game. <laughs> That's interesting. I'll I'll have to watch that. It's basically like I'm going to steal all of your stuff now because you can't <laughs> pay me. Hey, that's life. And then I'm going to take all of your shit, and then I'm going to reuse it against uh, your sibling mm-hmm. to destroy her as well. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. So uh, the game that they recommended as an alternative to uh, Monopoly is Power Grid. Okay, I agree with that. I can actually agree with it, too, because of like the auctioneering aspect well, of it. Well, and I love Power Grid, and you don't. Yeah, but I, I just I, I feel like Power Grid would also be kind of a good alternative to risk because you're like yeah. claiming your area and trying to expand from that. And... Well, the thing about the thing that I think uh, makes Small World a better connection is that Small World you're actually semi defending your ter- territory, whereas in uh, Power Grid you're, it's basically just a land grab. Very yeah. similar to Monopoly. You know, I, I kind of came into this expecting to disagree with you, but you've won me over. I think you're <laughs> totally right. <laughs> Thank you. That makes me feel so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, one of the games that uh, that is like a childhood game that you can get anywhere that I always thought was really cool um, is Stratego. Well, here's the thing. Actually, you know... When you were mentioning this, I kind of wanted to talk about Stratego as yeah. a kid's game, but you can't fucking get original Stratego anymore. Oh, they only have the fantasy one? They only have the futuristic one. It'll come around. I hope yeah. so. I'm really bummed out. Like, uh, So, anyway, my fiance's dad's girlfriend has a son who's like eight or nine. Uh-huh. So, like, he comes over on holidays and stuff and, like... I, I gave him my Legos to play with. And I was thinking, like, stuff, like, because he can't really play any of my games because they're too old. Yep. You know, um, I was thinking, like, I should pick up a good game to play with him. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Stratego would be awesome. And I was trying to, I went to, like, the store, and it's like, all they have is a stupid version with, like, Space Dudes. Mm-hmm. And I wanted the original one. I went online to look for it, and it was like $200 for a game of Stratego. Wow, I'm really glad I gave that to Goodwill. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, I used to have a Stratego. I, I, I got rid of it a long time ago. Oh, man. Yeah, I really want to get my hands on original game of Stratego. It teaches you great strategy. Right. It's fun, it's fast, and it teaches you the ranks of the army. Exactly. It's really cool. And it's... it teaches you that no matter how powerful of a general you are, if you step <laughs> on a landmine, you're fucking dead. <laughs> it's a valuable lesson for any child. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Stratego is a great game. I'm really yeah. hoping it comes back around and they re-release it in the classic version. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I agree with that list for the most part. I don't really agree with Connect Four, but, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, like we said before, these games are kind of marketing pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think 
Connect Four is the most solid game off yeah. of that list because it's got actual strategy. It's probably it does, and, and, and you might simple. as well shit on Tic Tac Toe. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on. Uh, my second topic this week is going to be a bit of a movies topic. So um, this weekend, I got home uh, from the bar with Lydia, and I it was like I don't know eleven thirty at night. And for Man, some reason, you've been a regular night owl lately. Well, 11:30 really isn't that late. It's late for me. <laughs> it was the weekend. Um, so I get home and I, for some reason, I get this huge ink. Like I've been listening to a ton of Fat Man on Batman, the podcast, the Kevin Smith podcast about Batman. And so I got this inkling to watch the to watch Batman Begins again. Um, mm. and while I was watching Batman Begins, I got the inkling to drunk by. The Dark Knight Rises on DVD so I complete complete my Dark Knight collection, mm-hmm. um, which happened. Um, so anyway. Two-day shipping? Uh, yeah, it came really quickly. I think it came from the distribution center right here. I just did regular shipping, but it came here in two days. Super oh. interesting. But, uh, but <laughs> so I'm watching through the trilogy again, and I think that there's just something we really need to address. And I, we, I think we've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before. But I'm just so freaking tired of, like, all of this cynical movie-going stuff. And I wonder if this is a, if, if this is a bad by- byproduct of fanboyism. Uh, what do you mean? So I think it started with, uh, I think it started with episode one. I think that's when the cynicism began. Mm-hmm. Because everybody was excited about episode one, and then it, and it was episode one, and, <laughs> Uh, then everybody started hating everything that happened. And, <laughs> um, and this has gone throughout and it's really been rampant to me. Is it cynicism though, or is it cautious skepticism? No, I think it's, I think it stems from, from cynicism and there's a couple of reasons behind it. So in the past year, there have been movies that I thought were very enjoyable, but, uh, people who should love these movies fucking shit all over them. And it's almost like they get, so much joy out of shitting on them. Like Connect for the movie? Exactly. Connect for the movie was solid, and I'm glad that Darren Ar- Aronofsky decided to do it, because I don't think any other director could have tackled that subject. Um, what I'm talking about are The Dark Knight Rises. I would love... I'm sorry, I just want to <laughs> express this idea. It's about, like, a spy network where you have, uh, mm. like, one guy in Russia and one guy in America, and there's, like, two other people in yeah. between them as their contacts. It's about connecting four spies together. <laughs> it's a spy network movie. I love it. Everyone's like four degrees apart. Yeah. <laughs> Connect four. And at the end, they all meet, but they don't know that they're actually meeting their counterparts. Uh-huh. And then the floor falls out from all of them and they <laughs> fall into a pit of doom. <laughs> oh, God, that's great. Um, so the movies I'm talking about are The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, uh Prometheus. Did see it. And The Hobbit. Did not see it. So people have been shitting all over these movies a lot. And I think that for, I, I don't know what, I don't know what this is coming from, but I think that it's not helpful to us as a nerd culture consuming nerd media. Mm. Um, because if you look at movies like even it, even if you look at movies like The Dark Knight, or if you look at movies like Star Wars, uh, or if you look at the 
original Alien series, uh, movies have flaws. Like, uh, there was just a great um, podcast uh, this week by This American Life where they talked about coincidences. And there's this Chinese saying that says, with no coincidence, no story. Like, there has to be coincidences in a story in order to make it interesting to listen to. Um, and not everything in a movie needs to be explained completely. Uh, but for some reason, people are starting to pick these movies apart in ways that I think are pretty unfair to the mm-hmm. overall theme of the movie. Um, and the thing that really opened my eyes to this is listening to another podcast, How Did This Get Made? Which is a great podcast. It's hilarious. It's, it's, uh, hosted by Paul Shear. And each week they, they tear through a crappy movie. So this week it was, uh, from Justin the Kelly, the American Idol movie. And it's fun because these are terrible, terrible movies. But they run through them with such a fine tooth comb and question everything that's happening in the movie. And then I realized that this is exactly what people are doing to, uh, to movies like The Dark Knight and Prometheus and The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it's helpful. It reminds me of when I saw Prometheus. I walked away with a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I started looking online. And the thing is, like, you walk away with a lot of questions. And I think that happened in a lot of movies. Yeah. In the past, it's always happened that way. But now right. we have this, uh, thing called the internet where you're instantly connected to a bunch of people so like i went online and started like looking it up and all these people were tearing it apart and they're like yeah that didn't make sense either so all my questions are or all my feelings are validated and that it was a bad movie as opposed to you know giving you a period of time to sit and gestate it you know right and to digest to digest and immediately it's like if it doesn't uh, if it doesn't immediately gratify all of your senses, then yeah. uh, you feel, I don't know. You, people, and myself included, I don't give myself the time to even spend that <laughs> night and sleep on it and right. think about it the next day. Right, and, and marinate on it a little bit. You know, one of the things that people always bring up about The Dark Knight Rises is that, uh, so you haven't seen this movie, right, Jesse? Correct. Um. But any uh, in the movie, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, but uh, it's been a year. It's been like a year. <laughs> so do it. Uh, Bane, and this isn't huge, but Bane sends him to this prison that's supposedly in the Middle East somewhere. Um, and then so that he can watch the fall of Gotham on the TV news. And Bane is Mitt Romney's company, right? Yes, that's okay. that's correct. Um, it was a weird campaign ad, but eh, to each his own. It um, worked. But uh, so anyway, Batman escapes or Bruce Wayne escapes from this prison and then gets back to Gotham and uh, and then starts saving the city. Now, he was in the Middle East. He didn't have any money. He didn't have anybody to call. He didn't have a cell phone. He basically climbed out of this pit of a prison in the Middle East and then somehow got to Gotham City. And it's not explained. And people have a big, big problem with this. And I sit there and I just think, well, he's fucking Batman. Like, Batman could do anything. Like, Mm -hmm. Superman doesn't fuck with Batman. Batman could do anything he goddamn wants. He puts his mind to it and he does it. That's what, that's Batman's thing. He's got the un, uh, the insurmountable willpower to do anything that he puts his mind to. So you don't think that he can figure out how to get from the Middle East to Gotham City. Right. 
and he, he has the power to like put together a suit of armor that can right. stop bullets and do all these things and fly, but he <laughs> he doesn't have the ability to sneak onto an Air France flight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's the whole thing. Like, I don't want to see that. Like, in many ways, that that illustrates. Uh-huh. Let's tack on another fifteen minutes to right. this movie to explain this. Like, in in many ways, that illustrates to me what a badass Batman is. Like mm-hmm. that he it he there's no situation that he's not prepared for and that he can't overcome with his sheer pursuit of justice and his willpower. That is mm-hmm. what Batman's character is. That's his superpower. Like what he did was he uh he plucked hairs from his back and tied them into a rope and then lassoed a couple of sea tortoises uh-huh. th- who sailed him to uh Gotham. Exactly. So this Assassin's is Assassin's Creed Five. And this and this deal is- with it. <laughs> And this is part, you know you do know that that's a direct reference to Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Yeah, that's the joke I was trying to make. Oh, got it. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and so what this bleeds into is now there have been rumors floating around that Christopher Nolan's Batman might show up in the Justice League because there's a lot of buzz that Superman movie that's coming out this summer is actually a pretty good movie. And it's probably going to make a lot of money. And they're like, and Warner Brothers sitting there being like, well, do we have to make movies for Aquaman, Green Lantern, and Wonder Woman? Or should we just start, just throw these two guys into a Justice League movie together? And then there's... That would be way more interesting. Yeah. And there's a big outcry saying, well, you know, you can't have uh, Superman in in, uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman universe. Because Christopher Nolan's Batman universe is way too real. And I've been watching these movies, guys. These movies are not real. Like, they are rooted in reality. But Batman is not a real character. Like, yeah. it's not a reality show. There, there's, there, there are movies that are real. Like, Zero Dark Thirty is a pretty real movie. Like, I don't think Superman can show up in Zero Dark Thirty. But in a land where, uh, where, uh, a, a psychiatrist uses a blue flower to drug people into making them insane so they don't have to confess against the mob and that uh, has a liquid vaporizer that only vaporizes the water in the sewers and not the water in people's bodies. <laughs> like, there's a lot of things that are pretty unreal about um, about Batman. And before we see this Superman movie, which also really looks like it's rooted in reality, it's it, it looks like from the trailers that they're, you know, they're taking a Terrence Malick approach. They're really trying to make it uh, very human, a very human Superman story. And so I think the burden is on Superman. Like, if they can do it in Superman and if they can make that uh, something that can fit in with the Batman universe, Superman, a movie that was uh, over, overseen by Christopher Nolan himself, I don't, I don't see why Christopher Nolan's Batman can't live in the same universe as Superman. If If anything... That's what will save DC because it will be able to bring these superheroes into the real world. And that's what Warner Brothers is trying to do with the DC universe. They're not taking the Marvel approach. They're not doing kids movies. They're trying to make these movies something that people uh, can connect with on an adult level. That's why Green Lantern didn't work. If they could do it with Superman, just throw them in with Batman. I would watch it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, there's nothing in the uh, the soup, uh, the uh Batman movies, new ones, mm-hmm. that make it more realistic than the Batman comic books. Yeah. And 
the Batman and the Batman comic books coexist in the same world as the Superman and the Superman comic books. Right. So it works there. I don't know why it wouldn't work in this media. And I think they should make a, a hyper-realistic Green Lantern movie. They should reboot yeah. that and make him the fucking Vietnam POW that he's supposed to be. Right. And, if they- and make it gritty and like make the first half of the movie about... Hal Jordan suffering in a prisoner of war camp where the only thing keeping him sane through the torture is his mental fortitude and then extrapolate on how that kind of mental fortitude is what it takes to control a Green Lantern ring and the responsibility there and then put him in because Green Lantern's arguably more powerful than even Superman put him in a universe or in a Justice League with Batman, Superman and right. uh Green Lantern, that'd be super interesting. And then you can throw in the auxiliary characters too. They can have their own movie together. Yeah, well, and, and that's what I'm saying is that the burden is not on, I think there's this automatic assumption that Superman can't live in Batman, in the Nolan Batman universe. Yeah, that's crazy. You but totally if, can't. They're not totally even from the can. same city. He totally can. And like, uh, and I was trying to explain this to people at a party. I know I sound like a really fun party goer, but, uh, <laughs> I was trying to explain this to people that like the, the interesting thing about Superman is that he is an alien and he's not human, but he has a duty to protect humanity. Right. Uh, but he's always a consummate outsider. Like, it, and and he's an all-powerful being. He's basically a god. He could do whatever he wants, but he feels this obligation to protect uh, this world that he knows home knows as home, but has always been literally and figuratively alienated from. Like right. that's a very human story. A lot of people have felt that going going through life about not being able to fit in to the environment that you live in. Like that's something that you can touch in, in inside people. And if the, I think the burden is on the Superman movie, if it's good enough, and I don't think Christopher Nolan would be advising on it if he didn't think it was good, A, and B, if he didn't think it could ultimately fit in to this giant DC franchise universe, um, I, I'm ready to, it's just made me more excited for the Superman movie, really. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, also, like, they can each have their own turf. I mean, mm-hmm. S- Superman doesn't, deal with Gotham. He deals right. with Metropolis. And Metropolis right. can be like the shining beacon to the superhero godman figure right. that it is. And then you can uh, counteract that or juxtapose that, as yep. it were, to Gotham, which mm-hmm. is dark and evil and is right. protected by, you know, the Dark Knight. Yeah. Not nece- not this shining, you know, right. suit of armor known as Superman, but yeah. a dark everyman hero known as Batman. Yeah, I mean, their cities reflect who they are. Metropolis is a shining beacon. Uh, it's a it's a powerhouse, whereas Gotham is a place where nightmares come true, and you need somebody to stoop to the level of the right. madmen in order to uh, bring justice to them. But anyway. on a on a bigger scale too, like Metropolis is oppressed. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's there's no freedom there. You have mm-hmm. like this totalitarian figure, even though he's waving red, white, and blue. I mean, he's be, uh, <laughs> bearings down on you no matter what. And in right. Gotham, the you have more freedom as a human, but right. you pay for that freedom with evil people having freedom right. too. So I mean, you can fit in that kind of narrative of kind of 
a lawful good versus a chaotic good, mm-hmm. and to put it in D&D terms. Yeah. Heroes with different ideas of what it means to be a human doesn't mean having like this totalitarian overlord, which is Superman, who can literally regulate everyone's actions or doesn't mean letting people be free to be who they are and then taking care of the people who abuse that. Right. So you have, you have some interesting, you can like even work in political overtones and make it almost like a libertarian versus totalitarian kind of thing. It's pretty, I think it's interesting, man. I, I'm stoked about it. I'm stoked to see what happens with Superman. And you know what? I, like, in rewatching these movies, there's no reason why Christopher Nolan's movies don't live in a comic book universe. Is it different right. from the Marvel universe? Yes. That's why Green Lantern didn't work. But, right. uh. Yeah, but Green Lantern it, totally was like the Marvel model right. in the DC universe. Yeah, but could it be something that is, uh, could it be something that is that is really interesting and compelling in its own way? If DC wants to blaze its own path, this is where it needs to go, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. All right, well let's uh, let's do a Facebook roundup real quick here, and uh, and then we'll get to our recommendations. Uh, each week we post on our Facebook page. Um, ask you, the listener, uh, what you want us to talk about. Um, we got a few uh, suggestions this week. Uh, got kind of thrown off because we recorded on the wrong day, but. Um, got kind of a, uh, an ensemble here between, uh, Jay Conrad, friend of the show, Jay Conrad, and our very own, uh, Jessica Ego. So Josh says best superhero costume slash symbol, and Jay, JT Conrad says cosplay. So I think these fit in with each other, Jesse. Now, we're not huge cosplayers. Um, although I'm getting more and more interested to see, just, just like have an experience as to what it would be like to be a cosplayer. Mm. Maybe for like one day, try being a cosplayer. Well, I, I dressed up as uh, one of the henchmen from Venture Brothers. Oh, yeah, totally. That was and cool uh, that was the day that you did the shoot for Attack of the Show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. And <laughs> I uh, I was your cameraman. Mm-hmm. And I filmed one of my heroes, yeah. Malcolm McDowell. Right. From- while looking like a total chode. <laughs> So that, that was my cosplay experience. The look on Malcolm McDowell's face while I was interviewing <sighs> him and you were holding the camera. He was like, where, what is happening? You could literally see him like becoming very confused as to the time that he's living in. Where, I like, can, <laughs> I know. I felt so bad and so stupid. Yeah. What are you going to do? Uh, um, apparently be, uh, Butterfly Man, right? While interviewing one of my heroes, <laughs> apparently that's what I'm gonna yeah. do. Clockwork Orange, uh, Butterfly Man. Yeah, he was like, I, thought, I didn't know that the movie was gonna become reality. Uh- <laughs> okay, so quickly, Jesse, if you had the cosplay as a superhero, because obviously, if you were a superhero, if your cosplay is one, it would be the one with the best costume slash symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, which superhero would you cosplay as? Uh, the monarch from Venture Brothers. <laughs> those aren't superheroes. Those are henchmen. No, the monarch. Oh, the, the monarch. Villain, the monarch. Their boss. I'm sorry. Let them feel the wrath of the monarch. Yeah, that would actually be pretty good. I'm. I I'm, love the monarch. I'm just gonna go with Aquaman. Because mm. I do like Aquaman's outfit. I think he's got the cool scaly orange shirt. Yep. I also want the trident. And I think that Aquaman, much like Thor, is a character that uh many people discount. But could actually be pretty badass if they if they you know use them in the right way. Oh, can I change my answer then? Sure. 
I want to be the Submariner. Oh, cool. That's what he we wears do. a Speedo. That's what we should do next year is you be the Submariner <laughs> we'll and I'll be Aquaman. As Pax. Yeah. <laughs> go to Pax as Aquaman and the Submariner. Perfect. I'll just wear a Speedo and little uh, uh, Hermes wings on my ankles. Awesome. Uh, we also got Chris Mansfield uh, wrote in. He said, with all of the new gaming consoles this year, I wanted to hear what you think of the direction consoles are uh, console gaming is going. I want to play games, but I don't want to move around my living room or potentially throw the controller through my TV. I want to relax, zone out, veg, whatever. If you could design a console, what would it have to do? Past, present, or future tech? Also, I got to say, I'm representing Ohio since all the Texas folks weighed in last week. Even if I don't have a cool name like Dotsie or a catchy phrase like get off my back, eh, put it on the pizza. Put it on the pizza, Chris. Put it on the pizza. I think we kind of talked about this. I think you don't need a perpetual internet connection. I would like to download full titles to my console and not have to pay $60 for a game. Because Steam has showed us that you don't have to pay $60 for a game. I agree. I I was actually thinking about this today. Mm -hmm. This is a feature I would want. Yep. So a title comes out, say, uh, Skyrim, Mm -hmm. you know, came Mm -hmm. out on 11-11-11. Give it a full year. Yep. So on 11-11-12, yep. allow third-party uh, mods uh-huh. to that game. So yep. give it a year, uh, sell it as is, as the publisher wants. But after that, after that year has expired, allow the person on the console to be able to download mods off the internet and modify the game the way they want. Yeah. It revitalizes uh, older games and allows you to, you know, add cool new stuff for free to it and keep you playing it. That's yeah. what I would want. Yeah, and the, and the other thing that I want is more, I really want more mobile uh, slash console integration. So I don't understand why your con- why your controller is not a mobile gaming system. Like, basically what I'm thinking is like, you're, if... In today's terms, if you have your PS3 and you have your PS Vita, your PS Vita should be your controller. It has a full-size screen on it so that you can use a secondary screen, kind of like what Wii U is doing. But it's something that gaming needs. I mean, there's so many things that I guess we're not, I guess we're getting away from actually gaming with other people in the room. But like when I'm playing Madden uh, on local, I want to be able to pick my plays without anybody seeing them. So that's your screen. As long as con- I don't have to spend $150 on a controller. Right. Though, it, it, it's the thing. Yeah. And, and I think that you could have $50 controllers that you could play and then, and then be able to, and we're talking future tech here, but I think you, sh- you, in future tech, you'd be able to have affordable controllers where you can use them as a controller and then you can download the game onto your portable device and then play it elsewhere and then come back and it's a seamless integration of both mobile gaming and controller gaming. I don't need a controller and a mobile device. I should be able to use my mobile device as my controller. Yeah, someday that'll happen. Yeah, hopefully. Which will be cool. Uh, And then finally, James Patterson says, So, John Oliver is going to fill in as host of The Daily Show over the summer. Jesse, do you have thoughts on this? I don't like it. Yeah, why? I don't have anything against John Oliver. I just think it's going to sound totally condescending yeah. to have a British person. And <laughs> I hate the British. Yeah, of course. I totally hate the British. No offense, Ollie James. But any, yeah, friend of the show, uh-huh. um, any foreign accent 
on a show that's satirical about the United States, it stops becoming satirical when it's oh. a foreign person saying it. it yeah. Then it just becomes making fun of the country. Yeah. It's funny because it's Americans making fun of America when it's English people making fun of America. I don't know that that's <laughs> so good. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking Especially about Especially the English. I think something that would make it more compelling, for me at least, is... If you're going to go somebody, because John Oliver is very different from John Stewart, and they've got. I say if you put someone else on the show, you do Wyatt Senak. Yeah. That's he's, a good choice. He, he's hilarious, and I think he would do a really good job with it. I think he would do a great job, too. You know, And it's not condescending, like having John Oliver do it. <laughs> yeah. I just, I mean, the British accent's a naturally condescending tone. Well, this is what I was thinking. I think John Hodgman would be a very interesting host to fill in. Ooh, I agree. I just but, don't know if he has that charm. He's got I total totally charm. should have Stephen Colbert do it. Or you could bring back Steve Carell. He's not doing The Office anymore. What if you had Steve Carell? Mm. I, he might be too big, though. Steve but, Carell would be really, really good. Yeah. But I, I say you have Steve Carell take over at the Colbert Report. Call yeah. it the Carell Report <laughs> and then have Colbert take over. The even Steven Report. <laughs> Because, uh, but what I was thinking with John Oliver is I think he might have the same problem. I mean, with John Oliver, I think with John Hodgman, he might have the same problem as Oliver because he is like the liberal nerd dude. And right. that, uh, you know, that overly intellectual guy may not, right. may also rub people the wrong way. He's not John Everyman. Right. Yeah. My vote's for Wyatt. Let's do it. Uh, but so, I guess I guess my vote doesn't count. We'll we'll see how it pans out. I guess it's gonna be eight weeks. Well, the th- the other part about this, I think it's kind of the tacit thing about this is that John Stewart's not gonna do the Daily Show forever. So what? <laughs> so <laughs> you know, are they auditioning Oliver to to fill in for him or to be the new host of the show? Uh, I don't think I don't think he's gonna do it very well. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I say bring back Craig Kilborn. Well, that's a that's throwing a monkey in the wrench. <laughs> that's that expression, right? Yeah, that's what it is. All right, so that's our Facebook roundup. Thank you so much for connecting with us on Facebook. You can also, uh, of course, we have the Facebook page uh, for the personal arrogance. We have the fa- Facebook page for Bald Move. Lots of great stuff happening at baldmove.com right now. We got The Watching Dead. We got The Because Show. We got Up Yours Downstairs. And we got the uh, the Bald Move general TV podcast this week. They covered House of Cards. The Americans, girls, Red Widow, Justified. So check that out. It's also very awesome. Baldmove.com is also where you can go to baldmove.com slash contests or slash contest. It's singular. And, uh, and go ahead and sign up for that Kindle Fire. Guys, get a Kindle Fire. I would be so happy if, if one of our listeners got the Kindle Fire. Right. Let's get real here for a second. Yeah. What you have to do is you go to your social media website of choice, Facebook, Twitter, iTunes. Yep. You recommend us. You say personal arrogance slash bald move network. Check it out. Check it out. You endorse us. You spread the word to your peers because, you know, we're a burgeoning uh, family of podcasts here. Right. And we need you to uh, recommend it to the people that you think would appreciate it. Uh huh. You do that. You can prove it. You go to baldmove.com slash contest and uh, fill out the form there. You're entered to win a real-life Kindle Fire. We're not lying to you here. Correct. One of you will win it. Mm-hmm. And the odds are good, and we want our fan base to represent. Word. 
I really want our uh, German correspondent. Oh, Dennis Kleinbeck. Oh, to I, win, it's, it's just a, for shipping purposes. It's actually not open to international. Oh, because of the law. Right. Dennis, you live in New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. All right, yeah, so go to baldmove.com slash contest and uh, get all the details there. Get a Kindle Fire, man. Spread the word. Spread it like fire. Kindle Fire, that is. HD. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and... Uh, oh, and also, I forgot to mention our phone number, but give us a call, 360-362-0024. Put your voice on our cast. We love it, dude. I love it so much when we get I phone love, calls. It's it's like my favorite thing. It really is. It brightens my To check my the whole, email yeah. and see the the voicemail. It brightens my day so much when I when we get a voicemail. So give us a call, 360-362-0024. We'll talk about anything, and we'll talk about your phone call, so please give us a call. Uh, Jesse, let's do some recos and call it a cast. What do you say? I say yes. Okay. Uh, so my first recommendation this week is going to be, you know, the Night Watch is coming up. Uh, Game of Thrones is, is quickly approaching. So the Ball Move Game of Thrones podcast called the Night Watch, the Night's Watch is, uh, is quickly approaching. There's nothing better to drink while you are, uh, while you're watching the Night Watch than the Night Watch Dark Ale. From Maritime Pacific Brewing Company in Ballard, Washington. Mm, my uh, old rivals. I really like this. I, I had it. This is one of the reasons why I had such a great night with Paul. Uh, I had a couple of these. Pretty good stuff. Pretty good stuff. So, pretty good um, beer. Pretty good beer. So Nightwatch Dark Ale. Pick it up and then drink it while you're, while you're listening to the Night's Watch podcast or while you're watching uh game of thrones nice. jesse, jesse what's your first reco uh it's ribeye baby that's a good cut of meat oh yeah uh i wasn't i haven't had a ton of ribeye cuts uh in my past but i'm very satisfied with how this turned out because obviously you can tell i talked about it for like 20 minutes there you go so i'm talking about it again <laughs> ribeye ribeye do it my recommendation this week is going to be polygon polygon.com it's Probably the best gaming news website out there now that all the gaming news websites are folding. Uh, you know, <laughs> G4 is going away. IGN, uh, I don't know if IGN's going to still around. There's all of the, but all of the stand, all of the standard gaming blog that turned into podcasts are now falling away because they got bought by larger companies that are dissolving them. Like HuffPo. Right. But Polygon, they were like, well, we're just going to start something cool. So, uh, Justin McElroy, who's somebody that we love so much, he does Mabimbe, I'm my brother, my brother and me. Um, but he's also, he's cut his teeth in gaming journalism on joystick.com. He was one of the founding members of Polygon. They have great layouts. They look good on mobile if you, if you're reading gaming, gaming news on mobile. Um, and they have really, really interesting articles. Um, you could tell they love it a lot. And for my money, they're the best, uh, gaming, uh, news website out there. So go to polygon.com and check them out. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. Okay, I just double checked. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you do go to polygon.com, it works now. Before it used to send you to like some Japanese electronics website. Yeah, they, I, uh, yeah, they fixed it. Oh, cool. So Jesse, what's your set go? Uh, well, um, it's, it's called 32 teams, 32 days. Uh Are you aware of this, Eric? Is this the baseball thing? No, it's football oh, yeah, on r slash NFL yeah, on would Reddit. Be, it would be 30 teams in 30 days for baseball. 
Uh, yeah. So they highlight each team, uh, one team a day, uh-huh. and they talk about the last season. Today, on uh, Thursday, <laughs> the seventh, yep. as we record this, yep. it was the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, and also Richard Sherman this morning totally <laughs> cut down Skip Bayless on ESPN first day. So the Seahawks are in the news, man. What did he do? Oh, he went. Up, so there's this guy Skip Bayless who's a complete asshole, and he's on every morning on on uh on ESPN and he just is he's a total jerk and he's been a journalist for a long time um and but basically his whole shtick is to try to be as outrageous as possible and be a sniveling uh jerk mm-hmm. so basically Richard Sherman he got on the cast today, or he got on the cast he got on the show this morning and they were going to interview him uh because Skip Bayless said that Darrell Revis was better than him even though Darrell Revis is like an aging corner and Sherman is probably the best corner in the league right now. Anyway, but instead of uh, going on there and actually discussing that, Richard Sherman just uh, just like attacked, like <laughs> verbally abused Skip Bayless for like eight minutes. Wow! Um, and he kind of looked have like to a, see this. Well, he kind of looked like a jerk doing it, but at yeah, the same he's a football time, player. Yeah, he's a football player, and Skip Bayless is a major jerk too. So it was kind of great to see somebody. Uh, jerk uh, on jerk crime. Jerk on jerk crime. So whatever. Anyway, if you go to r slash NFL on Reddit, uh-huh. uh, which is a great community, yeah. it's one of the last bastions of Reddit that hasn't been taken over by fifteen year olds. Also, r slash baseball. Just to put that out there. Okay. Uh, no. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, they they highlight one team a day, uh-huh. and uh, the Seattle Seahawks. I was reading it, and uh, my heart just reliving that. Uh, that season, like, it made my heart swell yeah. and then die a little bit when yeah. I was reliving the Atlanta loss. Right. And it makes you – being a Seattle sports fan, you have to be extremely cautiously optimistic at any point. Right. And you're like, oh, I could – all I could do is hope that we get back to that point this year. Yeah. Uh, I, dude, I didn't realize that uh, they were the number one team in defense. Yeah. Yeah. They 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 uh, They – they did that in that San Francisco game where they blew them out because San Francisco was the number one team in defense until uh, Seattle hung mm. like 42 points on them. Anyway. Exciting stuff. All right, Jesse. Well, we've gone long this week, but uh, but whatever. It's what we do. Get off our backs about it. Please keep in touch, guys. Give us a phone call, 360-362-0024. Let us hear your shining, vibrant voices. And remember, this week, that wherever you go. And whatever you do. Please. When a Kindle fire. Stay arrogant.